Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Whiskey Society, we had Sagamore Spirits in the house with the president, Brian Tracy. What the hell, Brian? You brought in the beautiful, like the double oak, the Sagamore Spirits rye, oh, which is like 83 proof. Like Signature beautiful whiskey. I would serve that to my grandma. I mean, in in the best possible I, I way. Yeah, ways. come on. The castrant, which I would not serve to my grandma. And then the cognac finish. That's not what the... Really. Check out the podcast. Tell your friends about the Spirit Guide Society podcast. If they really want to know more about the spirits that they love. What am I doing right now? I'm doing a wave. It's a wave. <laughs> because... Of the wave stave. What's a wave stave? Check out the podcast. Find out. What? Yes. <laughs> Always enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means don't get the pregnant lady wasted. You know what I'm saying? It's a bartender responsibility. The Manhattan was created for a pregnant lady because you went really heavy on the vermouth. So that's a clue for you. Cheers to you. Well, welcome to the Whiskey Society, everyone. Tonight we're going to be yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, Trevor, Trevor, Trevor's like, don't help. Trevor's like, where's the slow clap? That's like, there's no slow clap. We got to do the slow clap. Oh my God, Trevor, thank you, Trevor. We that was the shortest slow clap in the history of the Whiskey Society. It was like one. Ah! The fastest slow clap. But that doesn't make anybody happy. No, no. It's about the slow, slow clap. Uh, tonight we're doing Whiskey Society more, you know, intimate style. We're having a round table. We're doing the Harkness technique, the Harkness method in Whiskey Society. Does anyone know what Harkness method is? Exeter Academy, my friend. It's a roundtable discussion technique that's designed to uh, create better ideas through kind of group process instead of having a hierarchical kind of, um, you know, setup in which there's a teacher and there's students. You sit everybody at the same table, you meet up eye to eye, and you hash things out and you share your ideas. And that supposedly uh, creates more possibilities it's a um, it's a think tank method if you will hopefully so yeah be lean be spontaneous speak from the heart listen from the heart here we go sagamore whiskey with the president of the company in the house tonight brian tracy how do i tracy Tra how do i pronounce it uh, you have to tell me you can't just be like i don't know how to pronounce my name <laughs> No. It's Tracy, but it's spelled differently on okay. purpose. It's Scottish or something. Irish. Irish. It helps keeps the cold callers out. <laughs> so that's... Yeah. People don't cold call Irish people. Yeah, no. Well, but they say <laughs> tricky, and you're like, oh, yeah, no, he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, you're the president of Sagamore Whiskey. You're a distillery that's on the waterfront in Baltimore, Maryland. How long have you guys been doing this? Like, I know that, you know, I'm a big fat whiskey nerd and I like to get into the rye. So there's, if you're a rye whiskey fan in America, you think about like the, 
the Maryland style rise. Can you give us a little bit of backbone, a little history to that Maryland tradition to making rye whiskey? Why was everybody making rye whiskey in Maryland back in the day? It's a gr- I love it. It's a great question. Um, so yeah, so Sagamore Spirit is, uh, we're located in downtown Baltimore and we are solely focused on Maryland style rye whiskey. So that's all we do, that's all we produce. Um, and that's because Maryland has a great history of, of making rye whiskey. Um, we've been known to be distilling that goes back to the 15, 1600s. Uh, really back then though, it was really predominantly rum. And then about 1733, when very similar to today's times, a lot of taxes and tariffs came along uh, from the British, uh, molasses and sugars, and we decided to switch over and said, we don't want to pay those taxes and tariffs. We'd much rather just work with local source grains. And we have just tremendous- We'd much rather become our own country. That's right, we'd right? much rather become like, our own country. It was like, it was and all about that rum tax. They're like, screw this. We're done with Let's you. Let's be America. Absolutely. Is and that so, what happened? Uh, something like something that. Something like that. And so Revision luckily we had a history. tremendous be amount weird. of Scotch and British and Irish and so forth that said, hey, you guys use that rye as a cover crop for your tobacco fields. Uh, we know what to do with that. And about 1733, we pretty much switched over to grain-based products and really became predominantly just rye whiskey and a Maryland-style rye um, nonetheless, which is different than maybe the folks to the north of us or the south of us. You know, bourbon's known as a little bit sweeter with the corn base. Uh, Maryland was known as a little bit sweeter rye. And of course, we have Monongahela-style north of us. But really, the epicenter of distilling, in my opinion, started in that mid-Atlantic region, um, which is a great story that not everybody wants to share. But uh, trivia night, Wednesday night, I always like to start with that and say, where did Basil Hayden learn to distill? East B. <laughs> Good. Southern Maryland. Southern Maryland. So another question. Um, who taught him? Who taught him? Yeah. Well, Jay, uh, Jacob and Mary Bean, who emigrated from Maryland to Kentucky in what year? Uh, Seventeen seventy. Eight? Close. Six? Seventeen ninety. And that's why Jim Beam tells you they were found in seventeen ninety five. Gotcha. And so but they were all and they took their equipment with them. They were distilling in Maryland. And they were making rum back then or whiskey back then? They were making whiskey. And yeah. but what happened is as you know, the whiskey rebellion and the, the taxes and the tariffs, and you're close to Washington DC and you're close to George Washington, all these things because as they came out of the Revolutionary War, uh, they found their fifty four million dollars in debt would be uh, better paid off using uh, taxes and tariffs against things like whiskey. And so they said, they will go ahead and move to somewhere that's not even developed yet. And that goes to say, how long was Maryland a state before Kentucky was a state? 158 years. So, I mean, we've been distilling for almost 200 years before Kentucky was even a state. And that's a story you just don't really hear. Obviously, our friends of the South don't necessarily talk about on a regular basis. You don't like to brag about uh, what you don't know in my yeah, experience. you know, and so, um, but Maryland has this great history of distilling and Maryland style rye is really its own unique style rye. And so we saw it as a great opportunity and a unique white space at the fact that Maryland had all this rich history of distilling. 1910, 44 distilleries, all making rye whiskey, kept distilling through prohibition. That's why we're called the free state. And then 
1933, you had the uh, Agricultural Tax Act come in, the government gets involved again, pays people to stop growing rye grain and pays them to start growing corn to help with ethanol production, car, World War II, all these things that were coming online. And things just evolved from there and Maryland unfortunately lost its edge, but the brand and the identity of Maryland style rye whiskey could live on for decades while nobody was actually even doing it. Our last distillery stopped distilling in the 70s, closed its doors in the early 80s, and sold that name off to Heaven Hill, and that name's Pikesville Rye. And so, that's an old Maryland uh, distillery. And so, it, they've reinvigorated the brand, Heaven Hill has, and yeah. Pikesville Rye is excellent. It's 110 proof. It's a beautiful it, whiskey. Jim Murray, I think, ranked it in the last five years as like number two whiskey in the world or something. It was way up there. And we're coming for that. It's, yeah, come on. <laughs> and, you know, and then you have Leopold Brothers and other folks that you know have identified this uniqueness, this regionality of Maryland style, but yet nobody in Maryland was actually doing it. So we saw it as an amazing opportunity. So that's where kind of Sagamore came in. Um, the vision really kind of came around 2012, uh, but distilleries, they don't come with the instructions. They kind of take a while to kind of put together and get off the ground. And, and by about 2000, May 2016, we finally launched our brand. Now, you were speaking earlier to the Mahanagila River area, which is north of you guys, and that's another style of rye yep. whiskey making. How does it vary from where you are to the Mahanagila River style of rye whiskey? So those folks up in the Pennsylvania, Monagahill area, they do, they do a wonderful rye whiskey, but it's typically always 100% rye based grain. And we all know rye is really kind of known as a little bit spicier type grain. Maryland was known as a little bit different, was known as a little bit sweeter, a little bit more approachable. And so some of the things that we do is we distill two different mash bills uh, in Maryland. And we distill one that's 95% rye, 5% malted barley, and then we distill one that we call our barely legal rye, 52% rye, 44% corn, 4% malted barley. And we age them separately. And we really think there's value in that uh, the complexities really begin to show themselves during maturation by keeping the rye really separate and the low or our barely legal rye separate. They really age very differently. And we like that, and we like that about that. And they show the complexities of each other during that process. So you, when we put them together, we find we get the spiciness and complexities of the high, but we kind of get the sweet, fruity floralness of the low, creating really kind of a well-balanced rye whiskey, um, in our opinion. That's and really so, cool. versus just kind of like all out, you know, spice, um, which is great. A lot of people love that, but that's just kind of what we know as the Maryland style. So. All of our products that you'll taste tonight will have a blend of those two mash bills. They can vary a little bit from product to product, which also gives us the versatility to change them up a little bit. But, um, but you guys, like, something that's very common among the rye whiskeys that have been coming to market since this whole craft distilling boom is that in order to pay the bills at a new distillery, often you have to source whiskey. The whiskey that you're making isn't going to be ready for some time, but you still have to pay your employees. You're trying to get your name out there and things. So a lot of times, a lot of the rye whiskeys that have come to market in the last five or 10 years uh, has been stuff that's sourced from like MGP, where it used to be an old Seagram's plant, but these guys were experts at making what would have been flavor elements of blended American whiskey, but they're sitting on Rackhouse is full of, of <laughs> really rye whiskey, whiskey. Yeah. really, really good rye. And so 
were you guys sourcing stuff from there as well when you first started and are you still sourcing what of your line is your own stuff and what is sourced at this point great question so it is it is exactly that so we have this great history of distilling in maryland and you say to yourself uh the last thing we want to do is say hey we maryland has this great history of distilling but here's my vodka uh, so like uh, uh, whiskey and you know we have we love rye whiskey and everything but here's my vodka so we did exactly that we knew it would take us about you know four years to basically build out design a distillery get it built and you know then spend four years aging a product if not more five years and then so you know eight nine years in before you collect dollar one is a really bad business plan I learned that one very quickly on and so um, we were fortunate enough to connect with Larry Eversold, and I don't know if anybody knows that name, but oh, he's kind of he's, around here. Yeah, he kind of flies under the radar because he's never been attached to a brand, but he's the master distiller at, at MGP or LDI in the back in the day, or even Seagram's. And I, I call him the godfather of rye whiskey. I think Chuck Cowdery like, called him the, the best master distiller that you've never heard of. You've never heard of, exactly. And I've been very, very fortunate that he and I connected. Uh, on July, I think 10th, 2013, and uh, and he was kind enough to join the ride with us from there on out, and really kind of actually started set up like sourcing or what we really referred to as contract distilling. Every barrel that we got from MGP was made and distilled to a PO of ours and to a certain barrel of ours that we got from Cooperages, and so. We didn't just necessarily buy anything they had on the rack. There was some thought and some strategy behind it. Did they send you barrel samples or did you go they did. to... You they did. And we did both. We went there and they sent us barrel samples. And so we worked through it for a while, starting actually back in 2012. And then really identified what we wanted to do in 2013. Did you get to go help select those barrels back in when you first started? Yes. So that's yes. a crazy thing. Like. How many barrels did you sample? Like when you're trying to start a new business, you're like trying to think of a flavor profile that Sagamore is going to become. You're trying to earn a little shelf space out there as a newcomer to the whiskey world. How do you figure out a flavor profile that's gonna be able to stand up against these brands that are like, one, very affordable to buy, where American whiskey is the best for that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and two, like there's already a lot of really good rye whiskey out there. How do you find your way when you first start out? Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie says it's time to drink, guys. Yes. I, I always listen to Stephanie. So. She's right, though. You taste it. And what we want to do is we wanted to identify what we thought was uh, kind of Maryland-style rye. And that was something. And so this right here, the first one is our signature um, rye whiskey. It's our 83-proof rye whiskey. It's a blend of the two mash bills, the 95.5 and what we call our barely legal 52, 44, and 4. Um, it's 83 proof. We know a lot of people are new to rye whiskey. We wanted something that we considered very approachable and easy to drink. And then we proof everything using the limestone spring water from our aquifers at Sagamore Farm. Um, now on this particular one, again, 83 proof and looking for something approachable, which we consider Maryland style. And that's really kind of, we wanted something that wasn't angular, didn't rip out the back of your throat, wanted something that just kind of like full of flavor, but actually went down smoothly. And so we think that's what we identified in this particular product. So for about every two barrels of the high, we dump one barrel of the low. And is this stuff that 
all stuff that Larry made or stuff that you made and blending it with stuff that Larry made? We, uh, Larry, this is all Larry made. We have not, we did not bring our distillery online till early 2017. And the product that we're making at, at uh, in Baltimore is still not in the bottle today. The one thing that we've learned about whiskey is the older it gets, the more we fall in love with it. And we're very, very excited with the direction and the, where our whiskey is going, but we're not going backwards. And so we're gonna, we're about, I would say 18 months before you really see it come online into all of our products. Right on. So let's get into the stick your nose inside this glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. Think of food words. What, what comes to mind as you smell this sagamore? What is this base expression called? Signature. The signature. The signature rye. Yeah. The sagamore signature rye, 86 proof. 83. 83. 83. And the reason we chose 83 is kind of like a different proof, but we saw a lot of Maryland whiskeys in the beginning were either 80 or 86 proof. So we kind of split down the middle and we like where this came out. And so. when you're bringing whiskey down to proof, it can vary a lot as it goes along. Yep. So there's different sweet spots and different proof points. So 83 is what you thought was like, yep. this is beautiful, yep. this is approachable, this will bring people into the whiskey market and hopefully get our footprint out there so we can you know, move forward. I've done a lot of samplings where people walk into the liquor store and say, hey, would you like to try a rye whiskey? And they go, ooh, oh, <laughs> can I give you one of these? I'm like, no, 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 no. I was like, the price is right, it's free, and like, it's like, this is way different. And they come over and ask them to nose it, and they don't get any burn or anything like that. And then we take a sip. No, I get like raspberries and chocolate. That's a really easy sipper. It's really soft on the palate. To me, 83 is like really, really easy. And that's to get exactly into. what we're looking for. It's like, this is a new category for a lot of people. Yeah. We wanted them to get in the door and say, wow, that was easy to drink. That was smooth. That was approachable. I enjoyed that. Trevor, just don't give all your whiskey to Tim. He will drink it. All right. So. Uh, I'd be curious though, this is a round table. I'd love to hear from other folks. Like, I mean, there's obviously probably some seasoned whiskey drinkers in here. So, so sometimes the lower proof is not what they're striving for, but we look for something that was a, a low proof, but yet flavorful and no harsh burn. Anybody thoughts? We always know you have thick skin and candor and we're on camera. And so I'm asking for uh, potentially beating here, but. Very, Thoughts? Very I get kind of a, a, a toasty, a, you know, ready toasty kind of, you know. Like burnt toast a little bit? Not burnt, but just, you know, kind of like, you know, a yep. bit of a toasty kind of, uh, you know, no butter, just a toast. Just a toast. <laughs> but okay, think about this. So I always like to think about mash bills in terms of like beer or bread, because it's always essentially the same exact ingredients in, in bread, beer, and whiskey. So think about the way that wheat bread tastes different from rye bread. Does this smell like wheat toast or rye toast? I don't, I don't get the, I, know, I, don't, I don't think I've ever had a rye where I smelled like rye toast, you know. It's, yeah. it's, more, it's more of a, uh, I'd say it's more like a wheat toast. Yeah, it's pretty savory, I think, for a, a rye. It's not so spicy that and it's that's like, not offensive, by the way. Like, no, everybody loves wheat toast. Yeah. It's not like you get up in the morning and put jam on a piece of rye bread. You don't yeah. do that, yeah, right? Because that tastes weird. You know, yeah. This is 
like you said, smooth. It's you know, I don't get so much of the you know the chocolatey, but it's it's a smoother you yeah. know. It's not the vanilla that you would get kind of like an olive bourbon. But it's a, a nice profile. It's almost like, um, in my opinion, this is my opinion. Everybody has their own palate, but like it just what we look for is like it has a little bit of that rye classic spice, the mint and the clove, and the nutmeg a little bit on there, um, but it almost has this like fruitiness, apricot kind of this, but it still could stand up in an old fashioned or, you know, Manhattan or something like that. That's so soft to me. I would like have it with the beer on the side, not mixing, just like beautiful little sipper. Mix it up. Nice little beer to cool the palate. That is amazing. So yeah. Stephanie just came around with the second mark here. What am I looking at? So this, I believe, is our yeah, this one's a very exciting one for us. So this is our double oak. This originally came out as a limited time offering, but we fell in love with it so much and got such high remarks that we figured out ways to improve our barrel warehouse, which means built another, and also our bottling line. And so we can improve efficiency. So what we'll do with this particular one is after the two straight rise age for about four and a half years, we'll go ahead and blend them together and then we'll put them into another new American oak barrel. This particular one though, we call our wave stave barrel. We'll literally cut grooves down the inside of the staves lengthwise, increasing the amount of contact that the whiskey and the wood can make by about 22 to 25%. But instead of doing a heavy charm, burning off all of those grooves and waves, we just toast it. And then we'll go ahead and put that in there for another almost nine months. You put the grooves in before you uh, it or Correct. It. You, you'll, you'll get a, a stave. Nothing's happened to it other than seasoning. We'll go ahead and cut those grooves down it, and then they'll go ahead and start toasting it and turn it into a barrel from there. You have to toast it, of course, in order to make the barrel. It, it, you need heat in the barrel making yeah. process yeah. in order to bend the staves to make the, the round barrel. But really interesting. So let's get into this. Like, what is this non charred oak? finish due to the flavor profile of this whiskey. So stick your nose in this glass, the Sagamore Spirit Double Oak? Double Oak, yep. And so you don't see many Double Oak Rise. You've seen some bourbons, but you just don't see many Double Oak Rise. So this one's really exciting. We take it to 96.6 .6 proof. Um, and to me, the color on it is absolutely gorgeous. You hold it up to light. I mean, it's just like dark amber. And then I get a ton of sweetness on the nose. It's incredible. Like it that's nutty to me too, though. You like, also I get this, like, you do like, exactly maybe or toasted like, coconut. Like it's just like that toasted oakiness. Yeah, definitely get out. that toasted coconut. That's good. Yeah. It's got this nutty sweetness. Yes. it's not your normal straight ahead sweetness. It's not like sugar as much as this like toasted nutty toffee. That's a great call out thing. Like, and then for me, like I do find. Going up a proof one, you get a lot more of the rye spice. 96.6, it's just like, wow, a lot of, but the finish is super interesting to me. It's long, it's, it, and it's sweet, and it's delicate, but it hangs on. Uh, to me, it's almost like got this like, interesting like caramel. The minty quality too. comes through more on this one than the last one for me. I get for like sure. coconut and mint. There's something kind of whiny to it to me as well. Whiny, not like someone who's like, I don't like the way this tastes. No, but more like like it has wine, like yeah. a little bit of a grapey thing happening. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Or what are you guys getting? Or yeah, or I'm not so much tannins, but like a a dark red fruitiness, like but not like the previous mark. I was getting like raspberries. 
I'm thinking more like wine, you know, like fermented dark red fruits. Yeah. I, I definitely get the more of a mouthfeel. It's, it's more of a coating. I think it has an amazing mouthfeel. That's a great call out. Like, I do think this one has such a beautiful mouthfeel. Um, and I do kind of goes, there's a quick transition. I do kind of pick up something like this dark fruit, wineish kind of, uh, but like the spice in the front, yeah, a little bit of dark fruit and the sweetness, but like that mouthfeel kind of hangs on. And uh, I don't know, but it still doesn't drink really like a 96.6 proof, no, almost no. a 100 proof whiskey. No, and it's like, like that, that's what we really kind of consider that Maryland style, like going from that balance in the, the, the spicy and complexity of that high, but that balancedness of kind of coming in with that low, low rye with the corn and malt mash bill. It that. just really kind of gives it an interesting different approach. So yeah, I, it's like a, almost like a toasted honeycomb is what I'm getting. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's sexy that, to me. That, a little bit sweetness that you don't always yeah, get Like a fruit right, cake or something, but yeah, not a bad fruit cake. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we're in California. All fruit cakes are good. It's so good. No, but, but I think that's, that's a, a sexy one. one. Like it's, it's, it's got this beautiful mouthfeel. It's really silky. It's got a really full, long linger. I like, you know, Beemore, man. Beemore is like a sexy town. Beemore is a great Baltimore town. Baltimore is like, it's got that... Charm that, City. It's Is that what it's called? Charm it's called City? Charm City. I always thought Baltimore was The media won't let you know that, but like, it's called Charm City. But Baltimore itself <laughs> has got such rich culture, I such really rich history. I think it's a sexy, sexy city. We have an amazing community. They've been very supportive. We have a beautiful waterfront distillery. Um, that uh, you know, we have a, a 40 foot mirror polished column copper still, 19 distillation plates, two 350 gallon doublers in them for a really polished distillate. Uh, we have nine 6,500 gallon fermenters, we have a 6,000 gallon cooker, 8,000 gallon beer well, uh, we've got a 250 gallon uh, pot still batch system. We run tours seven days a week, it's a fun place. We do cocktail making tours come blow your own rocks glass tours we have yoga what? we do all sorts of fun things you guys do yoga distillery. oh yoga. i don't i don't but they do hold yoga classes at the distillery and like so get, get, him in, get him into a yoga class no like i can barely touch my nose i taught like, a yoga class this morning <laughs> i i teach yoga and i teach yoga for all of the, the, the our parent company is called pouring with heart and so all pouring with heart employees get to come do my yoga class for free Wednesdays and Fridays, 10:30 a.m. right over here in Echo Park, right around the corner. We should have you host one down at the distillery. <laughs> I'm coming. Come here we go. Don't you have Oh, he's days. trying to sell. Me. Oh yeah. Oh, Every, what's the this would be a great episode, right? Like buying whiskey and doing yoga in Baltimore. You've seen my yoga pants, Paul. You could come out for a barrel select. It's not it's That's not it. it's not a banana hammock, but they're short shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. God almighty. I'm envisioning more of a barrel select. Don't envision anything. Really like Stop the envisioning. Jeez. <laughs> Right. You, said, you said this was like originally, you know, kind of a limited thing. Is I mean, can I buy this? But it is now. So we have three core products. So we have our signature 83 proof. We have our double oak, and now this lovely one that we got put in front of us, our cast strength. So Ooh, our cast is my, strength this is, is my baby right here. Um, Stephanie, everybody's got the cast strength. They're a little bit it. for those seasoned whiskey drinkers, and it is the exact same mash bill. Everything is the same. <laughs> 
as our signature 83, which I think is interesting because they're so different. Um, other than obviously we don't add the spring water from Sagamore Farm. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Um, big, bold, black label like the, this product itself. Usually about 112.2 proof. Um, and coming this one, hot. yeah, coming in hot. But again, like, I don't think you're you're gonna take a sip of this. I, I'm not gonna say anything. I'll, I'll be curious, but like, yeah, like, it's a round table. So stick your nose in that glass. I get like a burnt sugar crumb roulette. Oh my god, beautiful, beautiful. Slow yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Trevor, that's the slowest clap ever. Uh, the first clap was at no. First clap was 30 minutes ago. The second clap just happened. That was the slowest clap in the history of the whiskey society. Slow down for sample. You know, yeah, two, two right. more he's gonna be missing. His yeah. <laughs> that happens all the time. Wow. This thing's got such a big nose. Wow. Yeah. Larry Eversole, the best master seal that you've never heard of. Um, but one he's retired now, right? He's one of the finest people you have ever met. And we're fortunate enough, he's still helping us out. Yeah. Um, he's, fallen, he's, he's so passionate that he's just, he can't walk away from our project. And so he, we send him distillate samples all the time. He's kind of our, you know, he's the godfather of rye whiskey. And having him sign off on our products is, is a big deal. Oh yeah, for sure. So what are you guys getting off of this Sagamore Spirit Cast Strength Rye? Ooh, I'm getting like some cherries. It's got a lot of fruit for a spicy rye Back to, to me. the fruit, like the first one that wasn't there for the second one, for the temple one. Right, the, the oak kind of transmuted through that red fruit character, but it's really bright cherries. What else are you guys getting here? Coffee or almost like uh, yeah, I get coffee, yeah, yeah. dark chocolate, dark chocolate, eighty-five percent cacao, a little bit of a little shot of espresso. I've been doing this for a minute. Cool. I thought we just found you out in the hallway. You're yeah, actually pretty you good. <laughs> you did find me in the hallway, and I'm still pretty good. No, no. Um, no what I find is if you pour some whiskey into your nose, the flavor notes come through extremely too strongly. Yeah. Uh, so don't do that. Um, just tell you what I found. This does not drink like 112.2 proof. It's full of flavor. It's robust. My mouth is salivating. All sorts of things are happening on my tongue I don't as know it moves out to the side. Oh. But like, it is like we love this product. It's it's sensational, and in the fact that you know there's nothing different than what you, as far as the blend goes, and the signature, the very first one, other than the amount of spring water we put in. But they're so different. The amount of black pepper, white pepper, like well, I, I've got a question. So when you guys start off, so right now you're 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 working with Larry. He helps choose your product but you're making whiskey every day you've got these stills built how big are your stills what kind of stills are you using yep. is it a column still is it a postal is it a is it a column still with a postal attached to it is it like one of those new hybrid style stills what's your capacity in terms of what you can make every year so uh all of our stills were made by vendome and uh we classic do, the best in the biz right I, i'd like to think so and so then our main still is is a column still, and that is our 40-foot mirror polished column copper still. Uh, 19 distillation trays, each one really kind of cleaning up the distillate as it goes through, really separating it, uh, the grain, 
the uh, water uh, vapors and the alcohol separating it. And, and then we have multiple hybrid kind of condensers as far as vertical and so forth for efficiencies. And then something you don't see is sometimes you'll see attached to a column still is maybe one thumper or, or you know, one doubler. A doubler, meaning the doubler actually doubles the proof for whatever goes through And that, it acts right? as like a small pot still. Right. So we'll run everything through that. We actually have two of those. And so it's a so, it's our version of triple distillation, even though each it, distillation it, plate is almost its own distillation. Okay, so this is what I'm getting at here. Like everybody's always talking in terms of like a chemical engineer, like how do you call like they've got that Harlan Wheatley vodka that they say is like it's distilled 156 times. Okay, but like if you distill something in a pot still, every time you distill it, you're getting like a nine to one ratio of evaporation. Like you're losing a big volume batch by batch. So if you were going to distill something 156 times, wouldn't that be over the rule of like what the percentages are gonna take away every time? We're like negative 56 percent in the hole here like we've got some kind of vapor from another dimension like where is that coming from or what does it mean to run something with still do you call every plate like a another distillation in a column still i mean it gets so weird like i know i don't know what to make of like how many times it's being distilled if it goes to a column still I was told there would be no math in this interview. And so, like, it's like, okay. We all have so, cell phones. Like, if I can, like, it's go back. Like, but, no, I agree. Like, I mean, that's what makes everybody's situation different and unique. And I think, I, I do think that the fact that we have two doublers adds an element as far as the polishing of a distillate. Um, I think our condensers bring value to us. Um, I think the 19 distillation trays is not unheard of. I think other people have it, but it definitely adds to the separation. And I mean, the further it travels, the cleaner it gets in our opinion. And so, but we don't go above 160 proof. Like we don't want to lose a lot of those ester oils. Like we don't want to brush up against a neutral vodka right. or a neutral grain or a neutral distillate. Like we want those flavors in it. We'll let that work itself out in the barrel over the next six years. Right. And so we like the fact that we can get it polished. We like the fact that we distill two different mash bills, um, but there is something with just time. There is something that the barrel brings a tremendous amount of value. We'll, we'll season our staves 12 months versus six months. We'll toast all of our staves and then we'll do a three char versus a, a four char. Um, and we think all of that brings a little bit different taste to our product that's and makes like, it unique. That's a Dave Pickerel thing. That's like goes back to like Maker's Mark style yeah. where they would do a long season on the staves that they're gonna make the barrels out of, which allows the tannins to drop the sun, out of the wood. The sun, tannins, the sun tannin them out, the, yeah. The sun yep. will leach the tannins out of the wood. If you go out to where they sticker up the, the barrel staves for Maker's Mark, there's like black dust all over the ground. Those are the tannins that actually have physically dropped out of the wood. That's bitterness, it's no longer there. So you're taking the time, but you're making for a sweeter barrel inherently because you've allowed the tannins to be gone from the oak. Yep. Um, and then the other aspect being like, uh, you got that seasoned stave, but also the three char as opposed to the four char. So it's a lesser amount of char a little bit of a softer, sweeter yeah. barrel approach to the rye whiskey. Which has to do with our barrel entry proof. 
like you know going in at uh, versus 125 versus 120 or 110 or 115 like so we come in at a lower barrel entry proof so we also have to add less water to our whiskey to start with so um, to get to these these, these bottles but not to proof. these bottles because I'm asking about what you guys are making at your we, we're doing very so everything that we're doing um, so everything that we learned from MGP we actually kind of like um, we work with similar, we work with the same grain suppliers, uh, we work with similar yeast strains, uh, we work, our barrel manufacturer we actually differ on a little bit, um, but other than that there's a lot of similarities. The flora and fauna and the bacteria in our tanks is not the same as theirs. We want that to be Maryland. Um, Are you guys doing open air fermentation? Do you have we a do open air fermentation? Is it proprietary yeast strain, or are you just kind of doing like no. distiller's yeast? We we're using. Larry said use this one, and I said why? He goes because I told you so, and I've never really kind of looked back on that. And so there's just some things you just take the easy wins you, you can get. Yeah. And I and I took Larry's advice on that one. And we even have a guy who runs our stuff um, who's fantastic, but he spent his life under a microscope doing all these strains for uh, New Belgium Brewing and, and their QAQC and understands yeast strains and fermentation and let's face it 50% of the flavor comes from fermentation 50% really kind of comes from the barrels Interesting. and so okay a lot of our guys actually are from brewers and brewery backgrounds and we like that because fermentation right. is so incredibly important um, but we took Larry's advice I'm not in any position to take his 43 years and say I think you're wrong um, and uh, and then we also took uh, some of our folks who just had great experience of looking at you know yeast strains under microscopes for many many years. So you're replicating the same kind of mash bills that they're using that Larry was using at MGP. The 95.5, the 52 is kind of our own. So you're making like a red ale, like an intense rye ale in essence. Have you what does the distiller's beer taste like when it's 95% rye? Like, like cereal, like oatmeal cereal like like just like grainy earthy cereal it's not super sour or spicy or crazy uh it depends what day on fermentation you catch it it can get to sour it can get to sour but out of the out of the gate when you get out of the cooker it's it's just cereal and do you guys do back set same we as do. like down in Louisville? yeah it helped uh, with the, uh, the ph uh, the balance and the so consistency back set is how much of the previous batch you put into your current batch in terms of fermentation. It gives your yeast strain a kind of upper hand, which has to compete with all the natural yeasts that are in there and natural bacteriums and the sourness, things like that. And it happened just naturally. You're just kind of restarting, but with something that you know will work a certain way. That's sour mash process, yeah. essentially. So some something from the last distillation will put back into the cooker. It really helps with balancing the pH and consistency of flavors. Beautiful. What is this fourth mark that we have in front of us here, Step? What? That's not legal. That's not whiskey. It's not. It's not at all. Um, but we're we're super thrilled to bring it to you illegally. Um, so we do two limited time offerings a year: one in March and one in uh, September. And typically, it, you know, right now we are hot on barrel finishes, but they could be different mash bills, different things along those lines in the future. Um, and last spring we did one that was finished in port wine barrels, some of which we... Oh yeah, 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 we had some of that. Did you? Yeah. Excellent, yeah, yeah, good, good. Yeah, we sourced some of those port barrels Bar from Jack a little local Pat. winery in Maryland called Bordy. Um, 15 of the 19 casks came from them, four came from Europe. 
finishing that for six months and then proofed it to 101. And we're fortunate enough to win uh, Best Rye Whiskey in the World at San Francisco, San Francisco Spirit Competition this year. So we're, we're thrilled about that. Um, and then this particular one that just came out that we released is we took a blend of the two mash bills and we sourced some uh, French oak cognac barrels that had cognac in them for 30 years. And then we uh, rested our straight rye whiskeys in them for nine months and then pulled out and proofed it to 101. And uh, now we have our straight rye whiskeys finished in cognac barrels. And that's the one for this year's fall. Sweet. So, so limited edition. Very limited. Sagamore Spirit, the, ca the cognac finish, stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What are you guys getting on this? This is coming in hot at what, 101. It? 101. All right. All right. What are you guys getting? So 50.5 ABV. And what do you smell? Caramel. All right, all right. Tim, what are you getting on this? There is like a, a creme de brulee. Creme brulee? Like sweetness to it, like that. Like burnt caramel. sugar on top burnt of sugar. a creme custard. Yeah. It's sweeter. I don't get as much of the burnt as I get on the. Butterscotch. That's what I was getting was butterscotch. What are you guys getting? Maple syrup. Maple syrup. Uh, maple syrup is a common one. Yes, I love that one. Mm. Great color. So for oh, me, right. what I get on a cognac is oakiness. Like on the tongue on this, I get more grip. There's a drier mouthfeel. That's a cognac note for me. Like when I think of drinking, sipping cognac, what I get is how oaky it is. In the cognac tradition, they actually, in France, they, they use uh, boisse or dosage, which are different methods of you can actually add a oak tincture to cognac to give it a different mouthfeel, to add a sense of age. They're not all crazy uptight about the way that they make the whiskeys are, as we in America, where it's like, it's, we have the most litigious form of whiskey in the world, which is bourbon, you know, bur straight bourbon is like, has more like law involved in the whiskey making process than any other so category straight rye. I know of. So straight, straight rye. rye. Straight rye is Same very thing. specific about what you cannot do so is it cognac, you say they put additives in it or? But it's a tradition. Um, when, when you think of it, I'm not saying like additives yeah. like preservatives. I'm saying like they've always done, they've like made these like alcoholic tinctures to add seasoning to what they consider to make the, the cognac have a different mouthfeel, a richer body. And, and that is tradition and they don't, they're not ashamed. They'll totally tell you, yeah, we do dosage. We, do, we use the boisse. You know, it, it adds like a, a dryness to the mouthfeel yeah. for me. I'm not saying that like there's actually cognac. They deliver these barrels to you wet though, right? Like they're they're wet, but there's no cognac in them. It's not like 30% cognac or something. No, like, like we 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 don't want cognac in our whiskey. We just oh, want to. We're gonna do that. We're gonna do 30% cognac whiskey. It's gonna be whiskeyac. <laughs> <laughs> you guys will own that space, and, then, and we will die in that space. So. But we just we, we want to put our straight rye whiskey in it and, and just pick up the notes. So like for me, I'm with you on so much of that. I mean, it's just it's interesting. Like I, to me, I get a tremendous amount of the baking spices, and then almost a little bit of apple and pear, and like that that cognac finish on the back of the mouth, that that dryness and, and so forth. But I also get this Brilliant. like interesting like. 
I heard maple syrup and like almost like brown sugar sweetness finish to it, but we had no additives. It was just literally picked up from what was left in the wood. That is gorgeous. It is significantly different than Significantly, which, which people think right. like aren't they going to be yeah. the same? Yeah, no, it's, they're not. Yeah, it's, it's, anywhere it, close. It's definitely the, the the finish is very much like you said. The cognac has a different, you know, than port. You know, the, yeah, it's, it's way different than port. Yeah. Way different but than those, sherry. Say, these are both pretty limited. Like I really like the, you know, you know, I'm like oh, I need to head out to local. Uh, Wine. Yeah, you well, okay, here we go. Case. It's holiday time, so people are looking to buy too. bottles for their yeah. home bars for the for the holidays. We don't have the uh, we don't have the cognac, but we have the port, port. and the castor. Trevor, Ooh. do you know what the bottle prices are at the local liquor store? Oh. Of what? Of what we got here, and for of the whole line, I'm putting uh, you on the spot. Uh, I don't know what. The uh, he's line just gonna is. bust out his his little personal <laughs> computer. The port, the port finish was about seventy dollars. Yeah, port, port is seventy. So so is the uh you know, do you know yeah, what the bottle price is? Uh, yeah. yeah. What store is that? And then how much is the double Liquor oak, do you know? Liquor uh, Fountain. Great. 60 for the double oak. How much is this castrant? Because I'm in love with the castrant. Oh, no. Woo! But you can find those at the... So, I would, I would give this as a Christmas gift right here. The old Sagamore Rye castrant. That is like... you need my name? Wow! Wow! I don't have a list. Do I look like Santa Claus? Well, my a little bit. Back in the day, twenty. Oh my! His brother, the whiskey. I'll have you know. Whiskey bringer. Whiskey Claus. All right, all right, all right. I like it. I like it. Wow, that is amazing stuff. Well, Brian, thank you so much for coming out tonight and chatting with us in this beautiful, intimate environment. Does anyone else have any questions for Brian Tracy can you, can from Sagamore? Uh, uh, one more time, the um, like maybe the definition of Maryland Rye. Like, if you give it a layman's term. Yeah, well, just one sentence. One sentence. I would say it is a approachable, well balanced, easy drinking rye. But sweeter. But sweeter. Yeah. Like, and I think that's part of it. So it has sweeter the, than the Mahogany. So the balance is like it has the spiciness, but it has the sweetness of it, making it really well balanced and very approachable and easy to easier to drink than what some depends on who you talk to. Sure. But some consider it to be easier to drink than other rods. And would you say that like, you know, moving forward, are you guys sourcing your grain from the same people that Larry's buying from? Or are you buying from Maryland farmers, like where are you getting your rye now? How, where is this grain source from? So we, uh, it's a very good question. So we, luckily there has been, which I know not to bring up politics, I apologize, but there has been, um, a We're in California, last, we're our seventh largest economy, sixth largest economy six, in the world. Six. Sixth you largest guys, economy in the world. Yeah. Trump can do what he wants in his country. We're going to do what we like out here in Cali. <laughs> so we, we, we source from um, uh, what is like usually consolidated grain. Uh, they get their grain, like rye will come from North America, Canada, Sweden, Germany. Yeah. Um, but luckily, recently, there has been, for the last two years, which has now got a sunset, unfortunately, will end this year. Hopefully, we can extend it. But there has been a parity in act act in place where we try to take the proof of and 
tax on spirits and made it, it put parity on it with beer and wine. And so typically when you buy a bottle of, of whiskey, your 54% of it was taxes. And we tried to get the last two years where it would be more equal to something where beer. We pay $13.50 per proof gallon. Beer and everybody else is around two, two, three bucks a, a gallon. And so what wow. we managed to do the last couple of years though is exciting is we got that money that we saved from not paying those taxes and we managed to invest in local farmers in Maryland. And so we started a program in Maryland where we took that money and reinvested it into something that was really just kind of a much more shared value, um, where we cut out brokers and everything. We went straight to the, the farmers. We didn't hold them to a, a certain yield per acre. We just hold them to a certain quality. And uh, we bought the seed in advance so they had no out-of-pocket expenses because actually rye grain is one of the only uninsurable grains there are. Wow. Um, and so we because took that- it's so evil. It's so evil, exactly. So we took that, we kind of took that um, risk out of it, the equation for them, and just agreed upon a price no matter what came out of the fields, and then bought silos on their, uh, and leased property and bought silos and, and mills, and we started 150,000 uh, pounds, and then we went to 300,000 pounds, and then 600,000 pounds. So we'll never get everything from uh, Maryland uh, that's as much as I'd like to think we want to, it's probably not good in case some sort of disease or something happened to a harvest. But we're, we've begun to spread that out with local farmers and we really love this program. So we're hoping this tax reduction can go permanent uh, and give us the opportunity then to expand that even more so within the state. And how many years out are we from seeing your personal distillate hitting the shelves? Not sure. <laughs> uh, we bottle to we bottle to a taste, year. not a, a year. Of but if I if I was to speculate, I guess we not, love the direction it's going. We are thrilled, and so is Larry. And uh, I would say that you will start seeing it in our bottles potentially in eighteen months. Wow! So after starting this journey in two thousand twelve, that's at this stage of the game, that's nothing. So, so. In eighteen months, we expect you here. Yeah. That's right. Gonna, we want to launch this here. We want to wa launch that here for sure. Uh, and, and we won't we are the sixth largest economy. Yeah. 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 You're the president. You're a businessman. Uh, man. Uh, and we have the influence. Is this? Can we edit this? This yeah. is yeah. edible, right? Okay. Of course. Anderson, right here. You got yeah. Cuddy Magoo right by my yeah. shoulder right. here. What, right? what, what, I saw I read something online about you know something to do with the fires and stuff that you guys did. Uh, you know, some kind of deal where you know, uh, it, it, when there's like a terrible fires or a something. flood. Plus, 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 plus. So actually, that's great. Uh, so the cognac finish. So the way, the way the cognac finish came to life was uh, originally we have about fifty different R and D projects um, going. Uh, I I always challenge the team and operations say you're not winning if you're not failing. So like we push the envelope in every direction that we can go. Um, and we had a small little town in Maryland called Ellicott City that got completely wiped out. Beautiful historic town got wiped out by a hundred year flood. And then all the small businesses along Main Street spent about 16 months rebuilding. And then eight, once they all opened up 18 months later, they got hit by another hundred year flood. And it was just really hard to take back. And I used to be uh, a backpacking guide in the Grand Canyon. And so I'm very familiar with flash floods and have a tremendous respect for them. And so kind of came in and said, we have to do something for these small businesses. We have to figure this out. 
and some of our folks lived in Ellicott City and they said, we have this whiskey that we're super proud of that's aging in cognac barrels. And they're like, could we bottle it and sell it and 100% of the proceeds go to the Ellicott City Partnership Re and Rebuild? And we said, absolutely. So we did that. So the first thousand barrels about a year ago, a uh, first thousand bottles about a year ago that we did uh, went, sold out of the distillery and all the proceeds went to help them rebuild. But we were really, really proud and wanted to bring this on a more national level. So this year we did a little bit more, about 800 cases um, nationwide. And so yeah, that's, that's how kind of how that came about. Yeah, thanks. So our, our mission statement is inspire global passion for Maryland rye whiskey. Our vision is to um, establish Maryland as, as the premier uh, distillers of rye whiskey through our people, our process, and our products in our distillery. And so um, we were fortunate enough to get demand from overseas. So we are now in German, uh, we are in Japan, China, Philippines, about to go to Panama, Canada, UK, and Germany. Um, and we have a guy who's, poor guy's sole mission is to tend to those it's countries. Hard. But like, it is not to build up a brand and sell it, it is just to inspire a global passion for Maryland rye whiskey and, and make it something that where everyone around the world actually comes back and asks for that regionality. And I think as this world gets smaller in a lot of ways, um, I think that's important. And so we kind of looked outside just the U.S. Um, we're fortunate enough to have the inventory and, and the product, and so that's what we did. We looked outside. <laughs> Does anybody else have any other questions? Cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming to the Whiskey Society this week. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember.